it was like everyone had their their little kid showing. Sure. And I'd never met adults like that before. I'd just graduated from college and I literally had never seen people be that free in my whole life. I wanted those people to be my friends. Hey friends, welcome. So this week's episode is gonna be different in a really good way. I got the chance to sit down via Zoom with Jillian Richardson. She's the creator of the Joylist NYC, a newsletter that is totally focused on events that foster meaningful connection. We talked about her work to build community and her recent book, On Lonely Planet, How Healthy Congregations Can Change the World. And that's what the attention collection is really all about at the end of the day. We say all the time, we don't become ourselves by ourselves. We are shaped and formed at all times by our connections with other people. And I think that's what Jillian's work really captures. And I can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Enjoy. What if I told you that your life right now is worth noticing? This is the Attention Collection. I'm Anthony Garcia. Hello, everyone. I have on the podcast Jillian Richardson. She's a community builder, a founder, a facilitator, a cuddle party organizer, which (laughs) is amazing, and an author. And her book, Unlonely Planet, How Congregations, excuse me, How Healthy Congregations Can Change the World is, in my opinion, a fantastic resource. Um, Because if you want to connect meaningfully with other people you can't just go in haphazard and so she gives a guide she gives her own personal stories she gives the stories of other people she connects you to other resources that you can read externally from her book it's great so i think you should pick it up you'll probably want to do so after this conversation but first let me welcome jillian to the podcast thanks for being here thank you for having me and giving me something fun to do on a coronavirus day <laughs> coronavirus day every day is coronavirus day unfortunately it's true for now right for now we'll get through this okay so there's probably a million places we could start but what if we start with the joy list so the joy list is a newsletter created to connect people to different events happening in new york city you started this this is your baby mm-hmm. but it's not simply connecting people to concerts or movies or things like that. It's a very specific event that you're curating or events that you're bringing people to. So what is it that makes the joy list stand apart from every other newsletter and events? Great question. Uh, So what makes the joy list different is that it's only events that have facilitated connection. So like you said, a lot of events, newsletters, you'll see, restaurants or art galleries, performances, things where it's very easy to go and receive something. But really, most of the time when we show up somewhere to a public gathering or a place where there's art, food, movies, whatever, we also wanna connect with people. And it can be difficult to do that. We're not sure if people wanna talk to us. We don't know how to approach a stranger. There's a social anxiety that most of us have which is totally normal. And for me, 
I felt more at home in New York City when I found spaces where deeper connection was allowed and there was actually a facilitator there to encourage that connection. So I knew if I ask this person, oh, what's something that is bringing you joy right now? And what's something that you're struggling with? They're not going to look at me like I'm a crazy person because we're, that's we're at a concert. <laughs> yeah, they're like, why are you asking me this question, freak? Yeah. So I love because you said it's actually on the site. It says that you are promoting events that have a facilitated moment of connection. Yes. So what does that mean to you exactly? And why is that so important? You kind of touched on it, but maybe you can go a little deeper into what that means to you. Yeah. So for a while, I was just curating events that connected people in some way, and I didn't really think about it on a deeper level. And then eventually I started having to kind of promote the newsletter for partnerships and stuff like that. And I needed to answer exactly what you're saying, like what specifically means facilitated connection. Uh, and so I broke it down into four categories. We'll see if I can remember them. Yes, uh, pop quiz. We were like, pop quiz, here we go. One, conscious movement. So that's like ecstatic dance, um, like yoga followed by a facilitated conversation, something like that. Uh, healing spaces. So that could be a women's circle. That could be a place to talk about racial equity, something like that. Uh, and then we have facilitated conversation. So that's more like a, a documentary with a conversation afterwards, single fathers getting together to talk, something like that. Um, and we're gonna see if I can remember the last one. I always get flustered with this for some reason. Oh yeah, duh, my favorite one. Uh, sacred sexuality is a thing that I also love promoting of just spaces where you can talk about the spectrum of sexuality because those are really rare. And there's, just like with loneliness, there's a lot of shame around sexuality. Sure, sure. So it's very easy, especially if you're trying to widely spread a newsletter, or get people connected to kind of go to the lowest common denominator, just throw out a bunch of things and catch a bunch of people you are really curating something. You have a very specific niche. So what is it that led you to even undertake this project? What, what brings you here? No surprise, my own loneliness, shocker. Um, I, have, I heard someone say this phrase like wounded healer, which is totally me, where I, for most of my life, had this experience of loneliness and just didn't really have a word for it. And for me, that experience felt like not really feeling emotionally understood, like there was this world in me that other people didn't understand and I didn't feel safe enough to show. And that's not to put blame on other people. It's more to show that I didn't have the skills to have a better relationship with myself and I didn't have the skills to be curious enough about somebody else to really get them to open up to me, because it goes both ways. Uh, and when I got to New York City, I just graduated from college, I made the conscious decision to try and meet new types of people, because for a while I was just doing sketch comedy, improv stuff, those are my people. And I felt the same way as I had in college, because that's what I did in college as well. And I was like, well, okay, I still feel kind of shitty about myself. Like, like I'm making fun of people. People are making fun of me. 
there's it's it's not a super loving quality of interaction and so i gave myself a year to meet new types of people the thing that opened my eyes that i constantly talk about is this experience called camp grounded which is a digital detox summer camp for adults i mention it in the book but it's just to me it's a great example of how the way a space is set up really affects the way that people interact with each other. And so with Camp Grounded, the rules were there's no substance use, there's no talk about work, there's no talk about age, you use like a silly name instead of your real name, uh, and you don't have your phones and no electronic devices. They actually, they even cover up all the clocks, so you have no idea what time it is. Wow. And I had never seen adults be so open and playful. Just this, it was like everyone had their, their little kid showing. Sure. And I'd never met adults like that before. I'd just graduated from college and I literally had never seen people be that free in my whole life. I wanted those people to be my friends. Right, yeah. Well, and I love that. And it really speaks to, you kind of open the book with the idea of the congregation and you give the literal definition of congregation, but then you say, it's really not enough because essentially you can have a congregation of people just in the same room doing mm -hmm. around the same thing. Mm -hmm. So you, in a sense, redefine what a congregation looks like. And that is yeah. the framework that you build the book off of. So could you just describe to you what a meaningful congregation is? Yeah. So for me, a meaningful congregation is a group of friends that feel like a church done well, mm. like in its best form. To me, church is a really beautiful thing where you're all working towards love, you're lifting each other up, you're supporting and inspiring each other. And that's a really gorgeous thing. You're meeting constantly, you're being vulnerable with each other. And unfortunately, a lot of religious spaces are not like that. And even if they are, a lot of young people don't feel comfortable showing up in those spaces for very understandable reasons. Yeah. And to say, what if we can have that kind of mutual social support and uplift just with our friends? And my hope with using the word congregation, kind of taking it from the church world and bringing it into just the world of friendship and relationship is saying that these relationships are really sacred. And it's going to take some looking at them and seeing, are these relationships that I'm just taking for granted? Are these just the people I've been hanging out with since I was in high school? Or these are just my work colleagues and not really thinking of what the possibility is in these relationships that, like you were saying earlier, these relationships can transform me. I don't transform on my own. How are these relationships impacting me? And are they getting me closer to my divinity, which I believe they can, or farther away? Sure. And I think it's always interesting to me the way people end up, the path they take. So on the one hand, you talk about this project blooming out of your own loneliness, in a sense, your own feeling of lack. And so some people can close down as a result of that, or some people can blame society or ask the question, why aren't there safe places? Why aren't there healthy congregations? You took a completely different path. You went out to find them and you put yourself out there literally took risks to find these congregations and there's a line in your book that i read it it's it's in there once and then you kind of bring it back in to wrap up a chapter and the moment i read it it jumped out i highlighted it and i've just come back to it 
a few times since then. And it says, I have a theory that people are loyal to the event that facilitates their transformation. I yeah. That was significant. What does that mean to you? Oh, I love that you picked that line out. I feel so appreciated by you right now. <laughs> um, I think for me, events are so magical because they can show us a way of being that we didn't even know was possible. So for example, I think Camp Grounded is the thing that I feel so emotionally connected to because it was my first experience of just being with adults, sober, playful, open, vulnerable. And so that was the thing that I latched onto, which also I'm very fortunate that that was the case and it wasn't something a little more nefarious <laughs> than right. Camp Grounded. Yeah. It easily, and I know this and I'm so grateful, it easily could have been something way more dangerous than that. Taking your phone, they've taken your lifeline away from you. Completely. <laughs> like people are so vulnerable in situations like a religious institution that doesn't have my best interests in mind, anything like that, which it's, it's why people fall into cults and things like that all the time. There's this Absolutely. deep, deep desire for connection. Um, but it's also like something like a Tony Robbins or Landmark or a really great church. It's, People just love that thing that shows them like, hey, there's this new version of you that you haven't met yet, and we're gonna help you get to that new version of you and show you this different vision of society that you might not have even known that you wanted. See, I'm, I'm glad you said that because there's another line you say, your life will get better the moment you prioritize spaces that allow for a different version of reality. And what I love is that you didn't say an escape from reality. You mm -hmm. said a different version of reality. And I think that's significantly different. So what is it that separates that in your mind? It's not an escape, but it's almost inhabiting a space that you might not have previously had access to, but it like opens up in front of you. Yeah, that's, I've never been asked this question before. I think it's, the difference is that one is kind of escapist where it's like like a numbing yourself being like oh okay uh like i'm gonna go hang out with my friends drink a bunch of wine watch the bachelor like that has its place and that's awesome like don't want to hate on that but if that's all you're doing that's just kind of like there is a little bit of a, a numbing quality in that which can be healthy in its doses versus uh for example there's this event in new york city called vulnerable as fuck and you go and the point is to sit with people you've never met and ask each other questions that open you up and that feel a little vulnerable. And that's showing you a different way of connecting with someone that it's not escapist because it's uncomfortable. It's, right. it's showing you a new version of reality, but that doesn't mean that it's gonna be easy to get to that place. Yeah. Uh, I think that's what the difference is that it's, for me, most of the time, the things that I love the most have a really steep learning curve and feel very scary to enter into at first. Yeah, it's not helping people run away from reality. It's leading them into perhaps an uncomfortable reality, but doing so in such a safe way that even though they're uncomfortable, they can slowly edge their way into something more meaningful. Mm -hmm, completely. 
Yeah, that's really cool. You talk about that a little bit in the book about how that dance party, you know, you yeah. show up and the person in front of you is wearing like khakis and something and you're just like, okay. <laughs> and then you walk in and essentially they strip down and it's a whole completely different world <laughs> inside yeah. this venue. But by the end of the night, you were dancing and you were free and you were expressing yourself in a way that maybe at first you wouldn't have assumed you would have been able to. Totally. Yeah. Like I am the person who, I was just talking to a, a friend of mine who he was really upset that he went to a wedding like months ago and the person he was with wouldn't dance with him. And he was so upset that his date wouldn't dance with him. And I felt so much compassion for that person because I was the person who never danced because I, there was just so much anxiety and so much, just so much disconnect for my body. Like, I didn't trust it. I didn't trust my body because I'd never been in spaces where I felt safe enough to trust it. Where like school dances, not exactly a calm, yeah. <laughs> peaceful or safe feeling place for a lot of people. And so to go to an environment where there is a, a female DJ in the DJ booth, shout out to Tasha Blank, who is saying like, any way you move is fine. Anything you do is fine. Every expression is okay here as long as we're safe. Like we're sober, we're supporting each other. I'd never seen people act in that way. And that's why I think I also have a really soft spot for people who are new to these environments, because I think people like to forget how strange it is to be there the first few times. It, the first time I went to an ecstatic dance, I literally walked in, saw these sober people like crawling around on the floor. They looked high to me. And I just, I straight up walked out. I was like, uh-uh, this isn't for me. This is too weird. Yeah, like, no. but next thing you know, you're, you said it's on your calendar, basically. Mm -hmm. a, a like it's there. With... Tasha Blank, the DJ, I had her facilitate a dance workshop at one of my events. Wow. Like I willingly danced in front of the people I was hosting. Like that's a big shift. That's transformation. Yeah, totally. So, I'm interested to know because we can hear podcasts and we can watch videos and read books and everything where people are talking about these means of connection. They're talking about transformative experiences and communities that matter. It's a little bit harder to get skin in the game. It's a little bit harder to figure out where to do that, you know, mm -hmm. how to start. Mm -hmm. You say that the world needs more people who are bold enough to call themselves gatherers. Yeah. So there's got to be a way for us to embody this and make it our own personal practice. So what do you mean by gatherer? How would you define that? And what does that look like in the everyday person's life? Yeah, when I say a gatherer, I just mean someone who is willing to intent or intentionally bring people together and not just to say, oh, I'm going to have a few friends over for dinner and like, we'll just eat food and whatever happens, happens to say like, okay, there's a certain type of experience that I want to happen and I'm gonna be brave enough to put that out there and create some sort of experience for people. And that could be as low stakes as having an icebreaker question at your dinner party, like having everyone go around and say three things they're grateful for. It could be as simple as that. Or it could be like we're, we're having a dance party in our house, no phones, no booze, like this is our challenge or we're going to get together and we're going to talk, like, we're all going to bring a food from our childhood and we're going to share stories about it. 
the the book The Art of Gathering by Priya Parker is really wonderful in super nailing down why having an intention for a gathering matters. And I think that the reason I say that it's brave is because there is that feeling kind of like the, oh, no one's going to show up at my party feeling. Sure. It's like, I don't want to boss people around. People don't want to be told what to do. But for me, what's been really helpful is to just think about like, what are the things that I'm craving right now? Because chances are, if I'm wanting a certain type of experience, even if it's just a dinner with no phones, right? other people probably want that too. And no one's just, no one's making it yet. So you just have to be the, the vulnerable first step. You have to be the one who's willing to stick your neck out there to try yeah. and see what happens. And you could even take as soft of a first step as to just post on social media and be like, hey, I've been thinking about hosting blah, blah, blah thing. Who, who might be interested in that? And if you see that a few people are interested, like, great. Now you can make the Facebook event. Now you can invite your friends if that helps with the fear, because that's totally valid of the, I'm going to put something out there. I'm going to spend energy on it and no one's going to show up. That sucks. So if you can mitigate that risk, like go for it. I like that. You're not just saying you need to go all out. No reservations. <laughs> You're saying you can dip your toe in the water a little bit and test things out. Yeah. That's helpful. I think that gives handles for people. So obviously right now, gathering looks a little different <laughs> in the current age well non-existent or via zoom or mm -hmm. some other house party whatever it looks like what do you hope that when the quarantine fog lifts what do you hope gathering community even with our existing groups of friends what do you hope will change from the experience we've all collectively walked through what do you hope is on the other side of this for everyone yeah, thank you for phrasing it in that way of like, what do I hope will happen? Because I'm like, I don't know what will actually happen, but here's what I hope will happen. Yeah. Um, I hope that we just see each other with fresh eyes of like, what a gift it is to have my friend with me right now. And like, I don't want to waste this experience. I don't know. I don't want to just be on my phone in a different world while this person is in front of me. Like, what an honor that I get to spend time with this person. So I hope that we're more present with each other. I hope that this is maybe more of a stretch, but I hope that interpersonal skills is the thing that people start to value a little more of like, how do I be a better listener? How do I ask better questions? How can I feel closer to these people in my life? Because I treasure them so much. And I also hope that we just deeply value the people who have been creating these spaces for coming together, our DJs, our event hosts, our, even just our friends who are always bringing people together and just really value them because monetarily our society does not value those people very much right now. And they're often the people who undersell themselves the most, undercharge themselves the most, don't really love the idea of selling themselves. And a lot of people I know in New York City who've been hosting really beautiful, special events for so long are, were barely scraping by to begin with. Wow. Yeah, it makes me wonder, you know, you're someone who is an event host. You curate events for other people. You're a facilitator. So you teach, you speak. So this is something that you do. You love, obviously. You've poured your life into this. So this kind of being put on hold in some ways 
have you learned anything surprising during this time or have you learned have you taken any lessons from this moment that you're in or are you still gonna have to process it for the months to come do you think i've definitely been taking lessons from it um it's funny i haven't talked about this really yet that much but i think one thing that i've realized is i don't love hosting big events that much actually um i was i think i was doing them more for other people versus myself. Interesting. And I kept thinking that I would get used to it. Like I always have this crazy energy crash the next day because mm. typically my events are between like 50 and 100 people and I have to be so on. And while I think the space, like the Joylist Social is what I'm talking about, is really beautiful and very needed over the quarantine, I've been hosting smaller groups online and focusing more on teaching interpersonal skills and getting sure. people into small groups to talk. And it's been so nourishing for me. And especially I've been doing some women's only groups, which I'd never done before. And that has been incredible. I, I didn't even think about the possibility of doing things only for women. But moving forwards like i'm working on a video course right now for women who want to learn how to deepen their relationship to themselves and others and six months ago i would never have thought i would do that like niching down to just women felt would feel extreme to me but right now it feels really really good that's cool well i want to thank you for taking your pain on some level taking your experience and being vulnerable enough to put yourself out there and to learn the lessons that you learned that allowed you to create the joy list and create the other things and to really write this book where you get into the weeds a little bit with your own personal story. And that takes a lot of vulnerability. So thank you for doing that because I think it's going to help a lot of people. I think it already has helped people. It's definitely been informative uh, and helpful to me. So thank you for that. Um, but I want to ask a couple more questions that really, speak to where we are as the attention collection and mm -hmm. what this podcast is really about. And so yeah. one of the big core tenets of the attention collection is that none of us are on an island, whether we are extroverts or introverts, we have all been gifted. Um, we all stand in the benefit of other people. We don't mm -hmm. become ourselves by ourselves. It's just not a thing. And so that includes obviously community, and I think you have a good handle on what person-to-person -person community looks like. I think it sounds like you're curating that online even right now. But the other stuff that's in the soup, so to speak, the other things that have been formative for us are things like film and television and music and art and books, the whole nine. And so can you think of any book? or films or music that have been really formative in your life that have kind of helped you become who you are today? Uh, I love this quote. What I love the way that you phrase this question. It's just like, mm. I think it's, it's so funny because I always get kind of annoyed when I hear people talk on podcasts or write books and I'm like, you didn't just get that idea from yourself. Like that definitely right. came from somewhere else. Exactly. Um, like nothing any of us are saying are really that original. No. Um, so for me, transformative books, I feel like <laughs> I've been talking about some really heavy books recently, but it's true. Like I, I really love books that are about kind of like how our childhoods impact our adulthood. And so for me, a book that 
blew my brain open was The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel mm. van der Kolk. Sure. Um, just about kind of like healing from that. And it really gave me more compassion for myself and other people who have experienced dramatic events in their life of just like how that impacts what's going on with us. It's one of the best texts in this area. It's so forward thinking. Like there's things in there that I barely hear people talking about. Um, so that's one. And another one on the kind of heavier side is Drama of the Gifted Child by Alice Miller. Yes, that's is, is like, oof, that is one. Both of these books, I will say, if you're not in a good grounded mental state, which most of us really aren't right now, <laughs> I would not recommend reading these books. Yeah. Like heavy. Shake some stuff um, open. For they sure. will shake you up. Like my friends and I joked that there should be a support group for people who read Drama of the Gifted Child because <laughs> it's like, oh shit, I just see my personality in a fully different way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You think of, I agree, that, that is a deep one. I'm like, Probably sorry, these now. are two V heavy books. Shelve that one maybe for later. Can you think of films, films that have been, you know, it, it can be, it doesn't have to be, listen, I'm going to be honest with you, Sister Act 2, Teen Wolf, I can throw <laughs> some films that, they're not deep thinkers, but they've been formative in my life. So can you think of any films that have been Ooh. touchstones? What a good question. And this is so funny because, little known fact, I studied film in college. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I was, ah, but I don't, I was a screenwriting it. major, and it wasn't uh, because I liked watching movies, it was because I just liked writing. Sure. Um, so, oh, okay, okay, I got one. The TV show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, if you have ever, it is incredible. <laughs> it is about this girl, Rachel, who... Um, she's bipolar oh. and she hears musicals in her head. So the entire show is a series of musical numbers and just the diversity of the show, the way it talks about mental health, the way like the main character is just a very average weight for a woman. And it's so strange to see that on TV. Sure. Yeah. And they talk about it constantly of like her body and how it doesn't look like the bodies of the other women on the show. Um, it just breaks so many rules in TV in a way that I'm like, I, like when people break social norms in media, it's just so empowering. It's like, oh, now if someone asked me to be on a TV show, I'd be a little less freaked out because like I wouldn't be the only size 12 I'd ever seen on TV. Stuff that like that. That is, that is really significant. Mm -hmm. If you were building a playlist of music, I and mean, this might be probably the most challenging. Ooh, okay, okay. And maybe you can curate it to mood or whatever you want. It's a road <laughs> trip, whatever it might be. What are the top two to five songs on that oh playlist? God. Oh my God. I feel like, do I have my phone with me right now? <laughs> I feel like I go in phases where I'm like listening to five to 10 songs on repeat over and over again. Um, so these are going to be so random. Love it. That's better. Uh, okay. So the first one is the Savage remix that's featuring Beyonce. Yes. Um, yes. on repeat yeah. in my life. Um, okay. Second one, <laughs> we got Kick Pop by Todrick Hall. Okay. All right. <laughs> these are clearly my dancing and singing in the shower songs. I'm um, like, we got... 
I Can Change by Lake Street Dive. Sure. Which is like a sad, a sad boy song. Okay. We got Boss Bitch by Doja Cat. All right. Oh, and Anything by Tank and the Bangas. I love them so much. Um, I'll shout out one more song. This is just a beautiful, sad song. Is the Moon River cover by Jacob... I think his last name is pronounced Collier. It's C-O-L-L-I-E-R. Okay. Those are some random songs, but I like them recently. That's it. That's amazing. That's what we got. Cool. That's all the stuff that's in your collection. So <laughs> thank you for opening it up and sharing it with us. You're, well, you I feel so self-conscious about it. I'm like, ooh, I hope these are okay. <laughs> that's vulnerable, you know, mm-hmm. when you get into the playlist. That's a significant unraveling. <laughs> um, where would you hope people listening to this who want to connect with your work, where would you hope they would go? Where would you push people and point people? I mean, the Joylist website is the easiest one. It's just joylist.nyc because uh, there you can see my group programs, the, the waitlist for the friendship school I'm making, the newsletter, podcast episodes I've done. It's all in that hub. Um, and then if you want to follow me as a human, I'm just at that Jillian on any platform meaning just facebook twitter instagram i'm not on tiktok or snapchat you're not a tiktok all right well thank you so much for doing this this has been a fun conversation thank you anthony appreciate it all right i hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as i did and be sure to check out the links in the show notes where you can learn more about jillian and her work And as always, I hope you connect with us on Instagram and on Facebook. This is where it really becomes a conversation and a community. Until next week.